listening to the Talk with the Wise podcast, a podcast where I talk with those who have lived more life than myself and ask them to share the wisdom they've gained from their experience. This past summer, I had the wonderful opportunity to be the social media intern for Amanda and her dad, John, at John Brandon Comedy which is how I got to know these fantastic people. And as the intern, one of the biggest projects I worked on was the Vacay with the Comics 2023 event. And it's so cool, I've gotta tell you about it. But I'll let someone who's actually been tell you about it first. Amanda? So people always ask whether it's fun to have friends who are comedians, whether it's fun to be raised by a comedian. And I always say, yeah, I think it was, but there's really no way to describe it except to just come and see for yourself. And so we created this opportunity for super fans of comedy to spend an entire weekend enjoying live shows and lunch, dinner, breakfast, snacks, and game nights with the actual comedians hanging out and talking to them directly and their families too. They brought their wives and their kids. Comedians Bob Smiley, Darren Streblo, Kristen Weber, David Pendleton, and of course, John Branion will be there. And it truly is the ultimate backstage pass. It's July 28th through the 30th of 2023 in Cedar Lake, Indiana. Tickets and more information are available at johnbranion.com. That's John, B-R-A-N-Y-A-N.com. This was such a good conversation, we had to split it into two parts. You're listening to part two, so if you missed part one, you can go back and listen to it at the Talk with the Wise podcast. But for now, please enjoy part two. I realized that I I listen to the people I interview and then I'm like, by the time they're done, I all I have to say is, wow, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I just said about having faith in God being the thing that can give us the courage is obviously not going to be allowed to be taught in a government school setting. (laughs) That's something that's going to fall squarely in the quote religion category. Now, of course, belief that your mental health or your, your depression and anxiety is purely chemical or electric or, you know, that it's the biological process. That also is a religious belief. I'd get in huge trouble for saying so. People can deny it. But that's somehow allowed to be taught in almost all educational spheres, including in church. But the part where I say God gives us the courage to be able to trust that we're not just going to think too far or, or, you know, be anxious too much. That is not allowed in certain education circles. Being able to teach that message is considered religious and therefore off, you know, off limits. And so I would say that it's that lack in the education or that having that part be taboo, not talking about the connection between God and our ancestors. What gave them the courage to sail around the world? You know, what gave the pilgrims the desire to move to what would become the United States, America? You know, what? why did various kings and queens fight for power in Europe and and in Africa and everywhere else on the globe. Like if you try to take religion out of the story, it doesn't make any sense. But that's what we've done. And it's now had impact on our mental health in ways that I don't think people are really ready to hear maybe, but regardless, it's significant. Yeah. They, like you're saying, they may not be ready to hear that, but there, I feel like some people are at a point where what else are you going to hear? Yeah. Like has what you have been hearing, has that helped? Yes. I feel like anxiety just gets you in depression and stuff 
it's like even joked about like, oh, they've just like run out of options and they're they're okay, but they're not okay to sit in the, well, I guess no one can help me now. Yep. I just said yesterday at church that I actually think in some ways, the fact that we're in such dire circumstances and opportunity, and it's actually a good thing. I'm not sure if the other people at church even understood what I was getting at. Cause it's like, what do you mean? They're looking around at this just terrible state of mental health and politics. And I forget exactly which tragedy we were talking about at the time, but there's, there's so many, take your pick. You know, there was all <laughs> kinds of stuff that just makes everybody feel overwhelmed. Oh, I know it was one mother in particular said that she had had a great conversation with her young children, but she was also heartbroken because they're like 12 and they were telling her things that they had seen or heard at school that were just like robbing them of their innocence as far as she was concerned. Just, you know, too much, too heavy, too, like, kids that are are wanting to kill themselves and kids that are you know struggling with abuse and all of these things and she's like it's just so tragic and and I agreed with that but I also said exactly what you just said like at the same time we now can can tell the world we can point to the results of what they've been thinking and what they think the solutions are too and be like how's that going for you has it been working and like you just said I think the answer is pretty obviously no, we've got people trying to find their identity in like their sexual activity. We have people trying to find their identity in what color their skin is. We have people trying to find their identity in, you know, which way they vote. And now people trying to find their identity, not in what they believe, but in what they don't believe. Oh, I used to be a Christian, but I'm not now. Or, oh, I, I don't believe in the sky, daddy. That's stupid. And, and it's like, great, but are things better for you? Is your life improving? Or do you just have like this cabinet full of you know, prescription medication that maybe occasionally seems like it might almost be working. And then you have this huge crash and things are bad again. Like it's not working. And so in that sense, I almost think it's, it's grace. It's also it's almost a mercy that all of these things that are dead ends have been very obvious dead ends lately. Mm -hmm. It seems. Mm. Wow. I hadn't thought about it like that before. <laughs> well, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> You said it's not working and you were not wrong. I mean, if you look mm -hmm. and, and if you challenge, you know, people your age and well, even people my age and certainly the, the very young youngsters coming up behind both of us, challenge them. Look around. Do people seem to have it all together? No, actually, it's very trendy to say point blank. I don't know anything. I could be wrong about everything. And there are mm -hmm. those questions that you said people are afraid of. Well, yeah, they're afraid of them because they've actually been told the questions are the end themselves. And they've never been told that God says he is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. Like he's he was there before questions started and he'll be there long after the last question is asked. He's, you know, he's the foundation. You can trust him because even if you royally screw up your own life, the world keeps spinning at his command. You know, all of these things were foundational to education when we first um, I guess I don't I don't know if I want to put a date on it, but when when education first became a thing that humans agreed, you know, hey, this is good, we should pursue it. It was God who was right there at the center, and you can't just mm -hmm. take that out and not have consequences. So one of the ways I think it's obvious that we're experiencing the consequences of trying to do education without God is in the realm of mental health and anxiety and depression. And unfortunately, we're not allowed to to give the solution 
to to kids who need it the most because it's considered religious and that's somehow bad. We would rather have neutrality than to have truth, or we'd rather have the appearance of neutrality than to actually have truth that could help people. One thing I would say too, I would encourage people to give Brooks Gibbs a follow, B-R-O-O-K-S Gibbs, G-I-B-B-S, Brooks Gibbs. He is a psychologist and he started out as a anti-bully speech maker, I guess. He, he was the speaker and he'd go from school to school talking about how to help kids handle bullying. But mercifully, he's also a Christian. And I could tell just from the very first video of his that I watched that he had a different approach than most people. And a lot of people, they were like, oh, the solution to this crisis, you know, in education where you've got these kids who are just miserable and their mental health is suffering. The solution is to tell kids that they should stop bullying. Whereas Brooks Gibbs' approach is, no, we need to build resilient children. We need to teach kids how to be able to handle the suffering that's going to happen. There's, it's an inevitability. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have obstacles. You're going to have truly traumatic stuff in some cases at some time. And if your dependence and your strength comes from, if, if you're depending on other people to treat you nicely in order to be okay, or if your strength comes from changing the world, you know, to get it to be a better place for you to exist, you're not going to ever be okay. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the results of kids being told that the best way that they can be okay is to fix the world and not doing really what scripture says, where we hide truth in our heart and we meditate on God's words and we trust that our salvation is in him and that he is he delights in us when we obey him. All of these other things that have been removed from, from most people's education. So I would say follow Brooks Gibbs. He is, he's tribe. He's our people. He's one of us. And uh, mm-hmm. and he has some really, really great advice. But it's interesting if you follow and watch conversations he has with strangers, comments on his material, on his content. Anytime he says something that's obviously Christian, anytime he quotes from the Bible, anytime he you know betrays the foundation of all of the things he's able to say, then he gets the most pushback. That's when people come in and they shake their fingers and they're like, you shouldn't say that. Not everybody believes in the Bible. Or you shouldn't say that. Some of us are atheists. So it's very, uh, I don't know, very interesting from my perspective. Mm-hmm. It's like, why did you like it when it didn't have that Bible label on it? <laughs> it's good stuff. Please take it. I don't care. I do care what you call it. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually one of the segments that I'm doing on this podcast, you know, talking with the wise. It's all about gaining wisdom from other people and even wise people have people that they've listened to. And so I'm asking all of my guests, you know, do you have any book recommendations or podcasts or blogs, like what things have really impacted your life or that you're reading now and you're finding really interesting, just good resources for our listeners? Yeah. Oh, man. I could fill. Other than, (laughs) sorry to interrupt, but other than the Comedian Next Door podcast and just because I love you podcast. I wouldn't even recommend those. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because my dad always makes fun of me and my sisters too, because they're like, you are always plugging other people's stuff. You don't, you never point people back to our stuff. You just are like, here's what I'm reading or go listen to this podcast or here's a really great sermon I listen to. And I'm like, yeah, I honestly see myself more as just like the middleman in a telephone game than anything else. I didn't come up with 99% of the stuff that I've commented on or blogged on. And really scripture tells me I didn't come up with any of it. A hundred percent of it came from God. So so there's that. But yeah, I'm always going to be talking about things that are fresh on my mind because of what I'm reading. And so what you read, what you listen to, 
who you trust for your advice, that's huge. It makes a, a big difference. And one of the things that I just noticed this week, because I was scrolling on my phone, I don't even really do that very often anymore, but I was, I was there on social media for some reason and up pops this post from Humans of New York, the Humans of New York post. Um, I had these two young women sitting on a park bench in New York reading and knitting. And they were, the whole post was how they, they thought it was cute because they're old ladies already. They're young, but they're like, we already act like old ladies. You know, we, we go to the park together, we knit, we go to bed early, you know, all these things. So they're obviously good friends. And the whole post was just about how good friends they are. But I looked at the book that was on one of their laps. And it was a book by Simone de Beauvoir, which was a French radical. She was one of the lovers of Jean-Paul Sartre, who is a famous philosopher, an existentialist. And I thought to myself, while I was just scrolling, I thought, I wonder if she has any idea how much toxic stuff is in that book. Like, I wonder if she has mm. any idea how that's impacting her brain in subtle, subtle ways. Simone de Beauvoir was a public education teacher back in the 1940s, and she was fired from her job in 45 for corrupting a minor. She had sexual relationships with students and she actually wrote letters to the government trying to encourage them to treat minors with, quote, equality to let them make choices about their sexual activity. Because she framed it like, this is a human rights issue. You know, students should be able to choose love, too. So that was her philosophy. So the stuff that she got in trouble with, with the law, the crimes that she committed that we would all agree were actually criminal didn't just happen by chance or it wasn't like it was this great author of books who also just happened to be a criminal. It's like, no, no, her books actually influenced her, her behavior. <laughs> like she was living out her worldview when she committed those crimes. And I just don't know if young people realize that, like the extent to which the things that you're reading really can impact your behavior long term. So I would start with a warning, you know, be careful who you read, be careful what you're listening to. That doesn't mean that you can't read about Simone de Beauvoir. It doesn't mean that you can't read Frederick Nietzsche or Karl Marx or any anything. But just be aware that there are competing worldviews when you read that stuff and then be ready to, to judge accordingly. So what I'm currently obsessed with is, as I mentioned, Brooks Gibbs. He's got some great short form content on social media, great videos. I love anything by Pastor Doug Wilson. He's out of Moscow. Actually, NBC just did a just did this interview with people from Moscow. It was called The Rise of Christian Nationalism and it was featuring Doug Wilson and how he's kind of a scary guy because apparently he's in favor of Christian nationalism even though he says that he's not. But but it's also they couldn't quite decide whether they were scared or not because they also said that the problem with Doug is he just can't accept that times are different now and that people support gay marriage and abortion and and they just aren't interested in his outdated philosophy. And it's kind of like, well, which is it? Are people is there a rise of Christian nationalism such that you need to go and interview Doug Wilson in Moscow or is it really not that big of a threat because he's kind of an old buddy duddy and he needs to let go of these, you know, archaic philosophies. But Doug Wilson's books are good. And if you Google him, you're immediately going to find all the controversies. People despise him. But the stuff that he wrote, that he's written on Joy, Joy Despite Suffering, which his book is called Joy at the End of the Tether. It's a commentary on Ecclesiastes. That was super helpful for me. He wrote a book called Flawed Activity, which I highly recommend for young people. Super short. Did I mention that to you when you were interning for us? Mm -hmm. How are you laughing? 
Yes. Yes. For the listeners, one of the reasons I have contact with Amanda McKinney is I interned with them at John Branion Comedy over this summer. And oh, what a time that was. That was so cool. It's such a great opportunity. But yes, we talked amidst, you know, actual intern stuff about social media and et cetera. We just talked about life, which is one of the reasons I really wanted her on this podcast is I know how much uh, wisdom she had to give. But yes, one of the books she recommended was by Doug Wilson, The Plot Activity. Yep. It's very short. I mean, super short. You can read it. And it's the first half is about the philosophy or theology of work. Why do we work? Why is it a good thing? Why is it God ordained? You know, we're not just spinning our wheels here. There's a reason that, that God has given us work to do. And then the second half is how do you practically tackle some projects that you might be feeling overwhelmed by? And basically the answer is flawed, 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 flawed. You know, even if you've only got two or three minutes to do a thing, two or three minutes is better than zero. So just go for it. And as simple as that seems, I think that in this culture, sometimes simple is exactly what we need. We just need very concrete, you know, short short little books to help us refocus on what matters and be productive. And I have definitely, definitely increased the amount of productivity I've been able to accomplish, you know, in the summer since I read Plot Activity in like March, I think, or April. Just this summer has been a testimony to how well the philosophy works if you're willing to apply it. I just wanted to highlight that as you're explaining like the structure of Plot Activity, the philosophy And the idea of the why, the answering the question why before you actually like get to the quote unquote meat of something. I was like, hmm, that sounds familiar now, doesn't it, guys? Yes. And and like to me, it's so ingrained in the way that I think now. I almost it's almost hilarious how much I need to be able to justify things with scripture before I can even get started. And it's somewhat funny. It's also It was also somewhat not funny when I got COVID last year and was just really, really struggling. In fact, when you first reached out about doing the internship, I told you I have been in a brain foggy, like overwhelmed, really, really stressed out state because my whole system got thrown out of whack from being sick, back to back to back. My kids were all sick. And it just like, it's like everything imploded there for a while and it took a long time to recover. But, but in the midst of all of that, I actually was researching like sleep and nutrition and, you know, things like that, trying to figure out what can I do to kind of speed along my recovery. But also I was aware that the stuff I was reading was not all good advice. Like, just like I said before, some of this is coming from a worldview that I completely disagree with that I actually think is going to make me worse if I'm not careful. Like some of this stuff, if I trust the wrong sources here, I could end up being one of those people who spends 12 hours a day on internet chat, Googling my symptoms, sharing them with strangers, and just all of us making each other sicker and sicker. That's a real phenomenon that happens on the internet nowadays, where these like sick communities just pile on each other. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. And so in the meantime, I'm, I'm going, all right, so what is the biblical philosophy of food? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, I know it's funny, but like, I, I really was going, let's break this down. What is the biblical perspective on sleep? Like, how can I be sure that I'm, you know, eating and drinking and sleeping for the right reasons? And I'm not like falling into this sort of this worldview that treats myself as just this highly evolved animal. Or, you know, how do I know that I'm not internalizing this psychology 
that comes from a godless understanding of the brain and not from the understanding that I was created by a creator who was very, very intelligent. I have a purpose for all of this. Even the suffering is purposeful. So yeah, it's, it's funny because I love books that start with the why now because they make me feel a whole lot better going into it. Like I can, I know where this guy is coming from. So now I'm more willing to let him tell me something like, Hey, spend five minutes reading a book or spend five minutes, you know, organizing your closet. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't trust the people who tell me to spend five minutes organizing my closet if they can't tell me why. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And literally what you're saying, like the figuring out the biblical perspective on sleep, I literally thought of and it. Like, I don't know, it adds a new light to the scripture of like, do everything to the glory of God. Like sure. whatever you do, whether you eat or sleep or walk about or whatever. It's yep. like, yep. It's not just like an exaggeration of, yeah, just do everything. It's literally that you can sleep to the glory of God. Right. You can eat to the glory of God. Right. You can. And and you know what you find when you start Googling sleep from a world's perspective? Like when you start asking, why do we sleep? Or what does sleep accomplish for us? They will actually tell you, we don't know. We don't know. Like, how it exactly works, what to do for a person who's struggling with sleep. We have some theories. There's a lot of suggestions here. Try chamomile. Here, warm <laughs> bath before bed, you know. Melatonin. Melatonin. What is it? What is yep, it? that's it. There it is. Yep. And they'll say, you know, magnesium is important. And, you know, calcium can be very helpful for brain function. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. You can, you can take supplements galore, but they don't even know. Scientists don't even know why we sleep. They don't, they're like, obviously, it's, it's important. Like, we can all agree. <laughs> it does something. It doesn't go well when we don't do that. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. And they, But we don't really know what it's for. And so then I, I actually felt better having them be honest about that. I would rather somebody say, I don't know, than to try to, you know, blow hot air and make it sound like they know more than they do. But it was that honesty that made me go, okay, so even the experts, even the scientists admit that this is a pretty big mystery. What do I know about mysteries? Like who does have the answers to all of these mysterious things, you know? And so starting from that, I still can't exactly tell you, you know, process by process, what happens when we sleep and why. But I do, I do think it's interesting and significant that the Bible talks a lot about dreams and, and sleeping and rest. And it actually says that God gives rest to his beloved. He gives sleep to those he loves. So it's a, it's a gift. And I don't always get to demand when my gifts come to me. You know, sometimes I feel like it's my birthday and I deserve it. But other times I just have to submit to the gift giver and be like, well, apparently I don't need quite as big of a gift as I thought I did today or tonight. (laughs) But that has overall been a much healthier perspective with, with a much more desirable result than anything that I was able to find digging around on the internet. So I guess if I can make an anti-book recommendation or an <laughs> unrecommendation of what to read, do not spend too much time on WebMD <laughs> unless you just want to laugh at it. <laughs> That's good. It's my first anti-recommendation and I support that as a hypochondriac. I fully support yes. that. Yes. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but honestly, it's because there's so much. I read constantly and I listen to podcasts while I'm folding laundry. Oh, I read scripture every day. 
And I would encourage people to join the Bible reading challenge, the Christchurch Bible reading challenge. That's also affiliated with Moscow, but it's literally just a reading plan that will get you through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice in a calendar year. Everybody's on the same page. It's pretty hefty. It's usually six chapters per day, sometimes even seven. But also the way that they encourage everybody to be able to keep reading is really helpful. It's sort of that productivity mindset where they're like, look, you don't need to worry about catching up if you get, quote, behind. It's not about being behind. It's about just reading today. If you read today, then you're caught up. And uh, we'll come back to it again later. We're not just going to finish this plan and then check it off our list. You know, we're going to keep reading every, every year together because this is good for us and it's edifying. And even if you don't understand it, doesn't mean that it doesn't count that you didn't read it because, you know, because you still have questions. Like it, it doesn't count as a more spiritual Bible study because you went verse by verse and you read it in the original Greek, you know, that's, that's not it. You just treat it like you're coming to the table for a good meal. You're going to eat, even if you don't know every ingredient that's in the food you're eating, it's still nourishing. And even if you didn't eat yesterday because you, you know, got busy and you're super malnourished today, eat today. That doesn't mean that you have to go back and eat as many calories as you would have like both days combined to start today. And so join the Bible reading challenge if you want some great accountability for staying in scripture every day. And even if you don't necessarily see the results or the, I guess, if it doesn't seem like or feel like it's working, quote unquote, it is. Treat scripture like like a snack, you know, like food mm. and, and watch over time, you'll start to see that actually Yes, God is using that for your for your building up. All good stuff. That's that's going to be my my trademark for this podcast. Oh, good stuff. All good. Maybe stuff. I sh- maybe I should rename it Good Stuff Podcast. Yes. But <laughs> But thank you so much for being on, Amanda. This has been a treat. Hopefully, you guys you listening along enjoyed it as well. We might do a part two, who knows. Yeah. If that works. Let me but- know. I I always have more there's always more things that I'm reading that I can then just turn around and tell other people about because that's my MO. <laughs> hey, that's the whole idea of this podcast. I don't have to talk. I just invite right. other wise people to say good things. Right. Let me just give you my favorite parts of this other thing that somebody else said brilliantly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> but thank you for having me. I would definitely be willing to come and talk again. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. We hope you found this conversation edifying and helpful. If you did, please share this episode with anyone you feel could benefit from it. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave us a review. It really helps us out. Thanks again for listening to the Talk with the Wise podcast.